Well, Setup Nation, Otani finally has put pen to paper. He is a Los Angeles Dodger. We're going to talk about right now, is this a good thing or a bad thing for baseball? Yes, there is something that could make this bad for baseball right here on the Setup Man podcast. Hey, welcome into the Setup Man podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley, and uh, I want to talk a little bit today about what I think this does for baseball. Shohei Otani, $700 million over 10 years. And I just want to first of all say welcome to the channel if this is the first time that you've come here. Uh, I am a real estate investor who is just following a passion with baseball. So I come with a little bit of a business background, and that's where I want to kind of take this today. Now, this was a no brainer. For the Dodgers, right? And actually, I if, if you missed it, we actually did a recap of the winter meetings. I actually sat next to Dave Roberts on the plane on the way back home, completely surprised by that. My wife got to talk to Dave Roberts. She's a huge Dodgers fan. In fact, I posted on our Instagram a very real and raw uh, video of her interacting with Dave. And then as soon as we got the news today about Otani, her excitement and saying, why didn't Dave tell us? Because this literally was two days ago that we were on the same flight with him. And the thing is like, he didn't, he didn't tell us anything. We didn't ask him a whole lot either, but I don't think anyone knew really what Otani was going to decide. I don't even think his dog knew. And now the question is because his dog, uh, the name was being left out. Does that mean his dog's name is Dodger? Like that's kind of what I'm wondering. Uh, but for the Dodgers really guys, this is a no brainer unless he gets hit by a truck, which God forbid, right? And, and that's the only downside for the Dodgers here. But from a baseball perspective, there's two sides of this for the Dodgers. From a baseball perspective, this will be the best one, two, three lineup in baseball with bets followed by Freddie Freeman and then Shohei Otani. Like, I mean, the the Braves have a legit lineup, but this one, two, three may be the best in baseball history. Who knows? And Dodgers now, by the way, have two of the top played paid players in baseball, uh, and and that's Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani. Uh, we've got Mike Trout in between both of them with a four hundred twenty six million dollar contract, and they have the MVP and the MVP runner up from twenty twenty three in different leagues, of course. And when Shohei comes back from Tommy John, they've got a solid ace, assuming that he does. So from a baseball perspective. This was a no-brainer for the Dodgers. From a business perspective, y'all need to realize that 60 to 70% of Shohei's contract is only about his baseball ability. The other 30 to 40% is a business move. So you can't compare this to Mike Trout. A lot of you were like, well, Mike Trout's $426 million. That's the most. So we assumed it would be $500, $600 million because you're getting basically the best hitter in baseball along with the best pitcher in baseball. And that's all fine and good. But Mike Trout, aside from just playing one side of the ball, is not a complete, um, you know, phenom in terms of being both in Japan and America. When, when it comes to Shohei Otani, he is a, a complete unicorn and a baseball front offices and owners dream because he's going to increase sales like no one's business. So let's just assume for a second, I want to play with some numbers here. Let's just assume for a second that the Dodgers, all they do is they increase beer sales by $2 per beer. 
Okay. Uh, ticket prices are going to go up, let's say 20%. Okay. Because they're going to fill more seats and they're probably going to raise the tickets. And then we're going to take apparel into these sales and, and these numbers as well. So again, his AAV average annual value is going to be $70 million per year for the next 10 years. Well, if we see ticket sales go up 200 million, well, sorry, they've been around 200 million for the last couple of years for the Dodgers. Did a little Google search on that. Uh, if they go up 20%, that's an extra $40 million, right? Okay, so we already are beyond half of what Shohei's average annual value is. Then assuming they sell one beer to every fan, which y'all know they're going to do a lot more than sell one beer to every fan. And, and of course, we can't count the kids or the, the underagers, but there's going to be the guy who buys seven beers and there's going to be the guy who only buys one and then the kid who doesn't get any. So let's just average that out to one beer per fan, an extra $2. So it goes from whatever it was, $13 now to $15. Well, this stadium can fit 56,000 fans and you better believe that most of these nights they're going to be sold out because of Shohei. So that's an extra $100,000 okay, per game with just beer sales extra $100,000 in beer sales, multiply that by 81 games, you're looking at about $8.1 million in beer sales, extra beer sales. Okay, we're just taking that $2, 2 times 56,000 times 81 games is over $8 million. And you know every Dodgers fan wants a Shohei jersey. I'm not even a Dodgers fan, and I'm already like, hey, I can buy a Shohei jersey for my my wife for Christmas, right? Like every single Dodgers fan is going to have a Shohei jersey. So they're going to upsell them at the games too. They're going to upsell them online. I'm being really conservative here. Maybe $200 each. I see right now with the Angels, uh, I can buy it online for like $134. But all the hype and everything, I'm thinking at least $200, maybe even $300 at the game. But I'm going to be conservative again. 500 sold at each game. That's plus uh, 500 times two. $200 is $100,000 per game against, once again, $8 million per year and maybe another $10 million online. I think I'm being extremely conservative on that. And we haven't even gotten into ads. That's just at $66 million. Everything I just went over there is about $66 million per year alone. And that does not include all the ads. And you're going to see Japanese ads all over the place around Chavez Ravine as you drive up, as you walk in. It's going to be all over the place. So this contract is literally paying for itself. That's good for the Dodgers. That's good for Shohei. He's getting his money, and it's great for the fans. They're going to get the entertainment. But what about baseball? That's the whole reason that I'm making this video and podcast right now is I really want to dive into, is this good for baseball? And again, I'm a real estate investor. As a real estate investor, whenever I get a potential deal, a potential you know, Mike Trout coming across my desk at 123 Main Street, right? It's a three bedroom, two bath, and it's 1500 square feet. Well, I'm going to look within a mile radius of that house and I'm going to see what are other three bedroom, two baths at 1500 square feet within that radius selling at. And what is the condition of those houses, right? I have comps that I'm looking at. And for the same thing that happens in baseball, we're kind of doing the, this in, in, or sorry, that, that happens in real estate. We're kind of doing this in baseball as well. The problem is whenever a cash buyer comes in and says, I love this house so much that I'm willing to drop all the contingencies. I don't need you to check the under the, the house. I don't need you to look at the pipes. I don't want the appraiser coming out. I don't care what it appraises at, even though 
This house is probably only worth $300,000. I'm going to wipe out all the competition right now and buy it for three fifty. dollars What does that do now as a real estate investor to the rest of our market? Well, because there wasn't any checks and balances at the time of that sale, there was not an appraiser coming to look at that sale. Now I go and buy a house in that same area and I'm saying, oh, my new comp is actually $350,000. And suddenly overnight, the value of this house has increased by 18 to 20% because one person came in and bought this house without any sort of checks and balances happening. So that's what we're looking at with Shohei right now. And this scares the living crap out of me for baseball and its fans and its owners and its teams. I think this deal is a bad thing for baseball. Shohei didn't have any comps. There's no one like him. So because of that, Right, we don't know what he was going to get. There was the thought of 500 million, there was a thought of 600 million. Then you got Tommy John, and people said maybe it goes back to 500 million. But then you saw the competition was so fierce, so you're probably like, Yeah, 600 million. But then you see the tweet come out that he signed, and then shortly after, I think it was Jeff Passon said it was worth 700 million. What did we all do? We dropped our jaws. And this is exactly like the cash buyer that comes in and says, I want to wipe out the competition, and I don't want anyone being able to touch this offer and I'm going to drop all contingencies and, and let's just go for it. Now, Shohei is a two-way player, right? He has two countries that love him and he is an incredible asset, just like what we talked about. He's going to get his contract paid for. In fact, I, I read a really good quote here uh, on Twitter um, from Sam Blum three It'll pay for itself within six or seven years. He's literally a money factory, even just on advertising alone, all the eyeballs from Japan. He's like Michael Jordan to them. He's like Taylor Swift, right? So what we're talking about right now is th this is the Taylor Swift, right, of, of, of baseball, basically. Now, would you ever compare Taylor Swift to, let's just say, I don't know, Tim McGraw? Probably not, but Tim McGraw is a big deal, right? He's a big deal. But now, let's just say the Tim McGraw of right now is Cody Bellinger, all right? And that's where we have an issue. And no one is going to be like Shohei, but I'll tell you who's going to say people are like Shohei, Cody Bellinger's agent. Who's Cody Bellinger's agent? Scott freaking Boris. That's right. So Scott Boris is going to come in, and what's everyone going to say? Well, they're going to say, well, Scott Boris, you've been trying to get $300 million for Cody Bellinger. He's had one good year in the last four years, and you can blame it on injuries or whatnot, but we're going to go ahead and say that we're averaging out the last four years, and he really only deserves about 100 to $150 million. Well, what's he going to suggest now? Now that Shohei has got his money, and he's going to say, hey, but Shohei's injured. My guy was injured. He needs a fair shot. So from a common sense perspective, all the owners and all the GMs are going to say, no, Cody Bellinger is not a comp to Shohei Otani. But from a black and white perspective, agents are going to point to the numbers. His average was very similar to that of Shohei Otani. His strikeout rate was actually less than Shohei Otani. And he only hit about half as many home runs, so 20, a little more than half. I think Cody had 26, Shohei had 44, something around there. And both of them missed a month during the season. This is how they're going to look at it. And they're going to say, how is Cody Bellinger worth 
less than half, less than a third of what Shohei is worth if they almost put up similar numbers aside from home runs. RBIs, OPS was much different as well, but that's how Scott Boris is going to look at this, and that's what scares the crap out of me when it comes to what this does for baseball because when when you look at the the juggernauts, right, the baseball contracts that have happened in the last few years – this was already trending in a bad direction. Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million. Andrew Bogarts, 11 years, $280 million. Fernando Tatis Jr., 14 years, $340 million after he played one or one and a half seasons. Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million. This all has happened in the last couple of years, and really you could argue that Aaron Judge is the only one who has deserved the contract that he's gotten because of how stable and how consistent those numbers have been. I think we're going to be looking forward ahead to two years from now and saying, what were the Padres thinking with Xander Bogarts? He was already trending down and you went out and gave him 11 years, $280 million. Then you put on top of this, that Shohei Otani goes out and signs the $700 million deal. What if Aaron judge was a free agent right now, not last year, right now. And he was waiting for Shohei to sign. And then Shohei signs for 700 million. Do you think Aaron judge is still asking for nine years, 360 million? Not when all of baseball is saying who's better Aaron judge or Shohei Otani as a hitter, by the way, not as an overall player as a hitter, he's going to be like, I'm in the same conversations. It's like Michael Jordan talking about LeBron James or people talking about Michael Jordan and LeBron James. They go back and forth. Who's better? Is it Aaron Judge or is it Shohei Otani? So he's going to come in and he's going to say, yeah, I don't pitch, but you know what? If Shohei got 700 million, why can't I get 10 years, 500 million, right? I think as an ace, 10 years, $200 million as an ace is worth asking for. So let's just take that $200 million out because Shohei is an ace and I want 500 million. That's that's what I believe would be happening right now if Aaron Judge was in this conversation of free agents. But instead, we we don't have that right now, right? We have a different pool of players. But I think here here's exactly what I think is going to happen. Let me just kind of take this step by step. I think agents are going to point to Shohei as the comp when, in fact, he's not a comp. He is a unicorn, okay? Just because... You're a butterfly or a rainbow doesn't mean you're also a unicorn. Unicorns are up here, butterflies and rainbows down here. I don't know. That was probably a bad <laughs> metaphor, but I'm using it anyway. Uh, players with opt-outs, I think, are going to start exercising those opt-outs. And the the players that are performing, right? That's the, I think Eduardo Rodriguez just signed a contract. I think there was an opt-out in it. And I think, you know, if he's just performing his mind out after the next couple of years, He's going to start exercising his opt-out. I, th I think that's the kind of stuff that we're going to start seeing more because all these guys are seeing, hey, because Shohei has been used as a comp and because everyone else in the market is now starting to get more money, I deserve to get more money. And I think the gap between the juggernaut front offices like the Mets and the Yankees and all of the, the Phillies, all of these teams are going to start to widen. And the teams like the A's and the Royals, the Brewers, the Pirates – you know, the brewers have figured out a way to be able to compete, even though they're a small market team. But I think that the more that you widen this gap, the more that you're seeing the bottom of the barrel defined for possibly eternity. And anytime they have a good season, it's just sure luck. So how do you stop this? Right? Like these are the problems I think that are going to arise, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not a baseball exec. Um, 
the luxury tax, I can say, doesn't seem to be working because it doesn't intimidate the Steve Cohens of the world. It doesn't intimidate the Dodgers. It doesn't intimidate the Yankees. Uh, in real estate, though, you have appraisers. You have checks and balances. Is there any sort of way that we can do that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's a business idea in itself. Maybe there's a, an opportunity for there to be a, an appraisal uh, <laughs> in professional sports. I really am not quite sure how you fix this. Um, and I'm not going to pretend like I have the answers because I've never been at the front office. I've never been at the table with these baseball execs. So I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend and, and sit here in my, my Monday morning quarterback position and say, this is what baseball should do. But I do know that something does have to happen. There has to be a higher unbiased power coming in and saying, no, you can't do that. That's too much. That's going to have a negative impact on the rest of baseball. And for that reason, we have to keep checks and balances and we have to keep players at their actual worth based on real comps in the market. Right. And that, that to me, it has to be part of the conversation, but looking ahead to the next three years or so, I, I think we're going to be shaking our heads at a lot of these bad, bad contracts because there aren't these checks and balances. The AAV has become the number one thing and the number one loophole in the system that all of these GMs and owners are pointing to and saying, well, if we can just get that AAV down, then we can start giving crazy contracts that don't hurt us as much from a, a luxury tax perspective. But those teams are buying players who are at their peak, right? Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, who actually I think was at the, the downhill of his peak. Uh, Fernando Tatis, it could be argued, man, that might have even just been a fluke his first couple of years. We, we still don't know because ever since he got hit for PEDs, we haven't seen him in a full regular season again. Aside from this last one, yeah, you got a platinum glove, but the bat wasn't quite what we expected it to be. Um, Aaron Judge, just, you know, he he gets this big contract and, and plays half the season. Um, how about past examples? And I want to use a couple past examples to just put this in perspective for you on how out of hand this has gotten. All right. I want two players out there in front of you right now, Todd Helton and Hanley Ramirez. Todd Helton played for 17 seasons in his first seven seasons. He averaged 35 home runs per season. Some of those were as high as I believe 49. I think the low was 25 after that season eight through 17. He only hit 20 home runs once. The rest, he was in the teens or lower. They gave him nine years, a nine-year contract, I believe it was 2013, a nine-year contract worth $141 million. Back then, that's a lot of money. Today, still a lot of money. But if you look at a inflation calculator, I decided to use saving.org. That nine-year, $141 million contract today would be nine years, $231 million. Not 10 years, $300 million. Not 11 years, $300 million. Not nine years, $360 million. Not 10 years, $700 million. A nine-year, $230 million deal, which AAV on that is going to be right around 25-ish. I can stomach that. That's a Dansby Swanson contract. Is Dansby Swanson in the same conversation as Todd Helton at the peak of his career? No, absolutely not. Dansby Swanson has had one good uh, offensive season where he hit 25 plus home runs, almost hit 100 RB, drove in 100 runs, and he's got a gold glove. Todd Hel Helton was a solid defender. 
and had one of the best bats in baseball was flirting with hitting 400, a couple seasons. And he got nine years, $141 million, which was a wildly crazy contract in 2003. Again, I don't quote me on the year, but I think it was 2003. That, that should put into perspective today, right? If Todd Helton was playing today, he and getting that contract, he would not be getting Dansby Swanson type of money. He would be getting Bryce Harper types of money, right? He would be getting that. I think Harper was 10 years, 330 million. So we're already seeing that. Then the second example, Hanley Ramirez played 15 years. He was an all-star in his first uh, six seasons, three of those first six seasons. He was never an all-star again after that. And his largest contract was only four years, $88 million. I believe he signed a longer contract when he was with the, the Marlins. But his biggest one, four years, $88 million. Again, and that happened right around 2015. So we're not looking at much inflation since then. Those are the kinds of contracts that are now out the door. Hanley Ramirez today, if he was given that same contract, in order to get it to $20 million average annual value probably would have been eight years and $170 million, which is too much money. So these are the contracts that are getting bigger. They're getting longer. And without any checks and balances, if we're not careful, we're going to see Shohei's contract maybe even passed up in the next five years, right? I mean, there could be that next guy. Like we're, we're talking about Jackson Churio just got this 80 plus million dollar contract with bonuses that could go up to, I think, $160 million. And the dude hasn't seen a single major league pitch. Uh, you've got Corbin Carroll who played half a season and got a wildly long and big contract. What if those end up being the par for the course for even being able to be competitive and get guys that are worth getting uh, for these mid-market teams, right? The, the, the Diamondbacks of the world. And, and what if the Diamondbacks of the world are now completely taken out of any sort of conversations with any of these big stars because only the Mets, the Yankees, the Phillies, and a few other large market teams are the only ones that get to have conversations about guys in their prime. It's, it's not looking to me like it's going any other way unless something is done. And I think the big telltale sign, what I want to leave you with here is going to be four players that are on the market right now. And they're all Scott Boris's clients, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Cody Bellinger, and Matt Chapman. If you see any of these guys get over $200 million, you can assume it probably had something to do with Otani. You can maybe argue that Cody Bellinger or Blake Snell would have gotten $200 million already because they have some of the pedigree. They've, they're coming off of major seasons. But if you see any of them get over $250 million, it's 100% because of Otani. 100%. You cannot point at anything else and say, yes, Blake Snell, who uh, really has legitimately had two or three good seasons and after that has really been a 100-pitch-into-the-fifth-inning kind of guy, uh, and Cody Bellinger, who had three really piss-poor seasons until his comeback year right now with the Cubs. Aside from that, Jordan Montgomery has had a couple good years and has started to show that he's going to be one of the big guys. And Matt Chapman's on, on the downhill. There's no way any of these guys should be getting $250 million. So you can guarantee if they do, it's because of Shohei Otani. And that scares me to death. I want to know what you think. If you have been listening to this and you strongly disagree, 
please bring it on. I am not pretending like I am the one that has all the answers. I, I'm very clear with that. I, I don't even know what the solution is for this. I can only hypothesize a few things. But if you agree, I'd also like to know that too. If you're watching on YouTube, put it in the comments. If you're listening on the podcast, you know, uh, don't leave a one-star review if you don't agree. But if you agree, leave a five-star review. Let me know why. And hey, if you you also don't agree, we're going to be posting a few of these uh, clips probably on Instagram. Uh, engage with me in the reels. Let's have an open conversation about this. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at setupmanpod, at setupmanpod. Hey, I was really excited to bring this video to you today and podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. And for now, until something else comes out, I'm going to go put my arm on ice. We'll talk to you later, Setup Nation.